listening to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Welcome to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale, the weekly radio talk show where we unwrap and reveal the secrets that successful people use, and you can too. Available at successunwrappedradio.com. My very special guest this week is Dr. John F. Demartini, a former chiropractor now better known as an international speaker, author, and quantum physics expert who is also featured in the movie The Secret. His best-selling self-development books include The Breakthrough Experience, Count Your Blessings, and How to Make One Hell of a Profit and Still Get to Heaven. He's also founder of the Concourse of Wisdom School of Philosophy and Healing. He's appeared on hundreds of radio and TV shows, including one he hosted himself, and now he's here to help us unwrap some of the mysteries of success. John, welcome to the show and thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Heather. It's great to be there. Now, your book title, How to Make One Hell of a Profit and Still Get to Heaven, (laughs) brings up a lot of thoughts. Why is it that people equate poverty with goodness and riches with evil? Well, I guess that what we're not up on, we're down on, and I guess, um, you know, we could look very carefully and, and show that the cultures and the individuals that have been impoverished actually have a higher rate of crime and other concerns and the people that have a, a, you know more order and organization and a little bit of wealth in their life have a higher probability of order in their life so i don't know where that came from originally possibly um, from religious institutionalism but i'm i'm certain that uh, a person who is impoverished has a higher probability of having a need and having a harder uh, in order to keep a, a quality life in other words it takes some wealth okay so how do we make one hell of a profit well, what people do is uh, it's all based on value systems. If a person in their hierarchy of values, the things that are important in their life, if they don't have uh, any high value on wealth building or saving money, then what they're going to do is they're going to have a lot of chaos because whatever's highest on their value is where they bring discipline and order to, and whatever's lowest on their value they bring chaos to. And if they don't value money, it goes to the person who values it. It's just like anything else. If you don't have a relationship, value on your relationship, it goes away. If you don't have value on your clients, they go away. If you don't have value on money and appreciate money, it's going to go away. You have to appreciate what its value is in order to have it stay in your life. And you have to be able to value it and save it because the people who don't save money are desperately working their whole life for it and never having it work for them, and they're its slaves. They're money slaves. The people who value it and appreciate it and start to save and invest in it, pay, pay themselves and invest in themselves, they're the ones that eventually have it working for them, and they become its master. Some people that don't have a lot of money would say that they do, in fact, place a high value on the money. It just doesn't seem to stay in their lives. Well, the way they know it's they value it is that they study it, they learn about it, they pay themselves first, they make sure that they save it and they don't use it for things that are uh, you know, immediate gratifying, and they save it. Anybody that tells me money is important to them and then they don't save it tells me that it's not important to them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, when I first started my practice years ago, I put a little bowl out and I did talks. And, and you know, I was kind of altruistic and I kind of minimized myself and I, I didn't believe in myself and everything else. So, of course, the world around me reflected me and no one wanted to pay. And I was impoverished and I, I had the same thing that everybody else did. And then I realized that, hey, I do have a value. My service has a value. And uh, I have to value money. And the second I started to value it, pay myself first and put a value on my, on my service, things started happening. And it, it can happen overnight. I've seen literally people go from poverty to transform their life to having some financial 
success in their life in a very short period of time. In fact, I had dinner last night with a gentleman that came to my program, How to Make One Hell of a Profit So Get to Heaven, and nine months later has $70,000 saved. And he never saved any money prior to that. So it was amazing. And he's reaching greater numbers of people with greater service today. So what's more important, the physical things we do, like the saving and the investing, or the thought patterns and vibrations to attract wealth in a metaphysical sense? It's both. You know, again, it goes back to value systems. If your highest value is your children, your children's education, children's house, uh, lifestyle, car, um, entertainment, and things of this nature, and number 30 on your list of values is saving money and building wealth, then no matter how much money you make, as the money comes in, it's going to be spent according to the hierarchy of your values because the hierarchy of your values dictates the financial destiny. And so what happens is if you get more money and double your income, you're just going to have a better house, better cars, better better lifestyle, and more stuff for the, for the kids, more better clothes for them, but you're still not going to save. And so what happens is it's, it's based on the value system. Until those values are rearranged, you're, most people live in a fantasy about their wealth. I ask thousands of people how many want to be wealthy. They all put their hands up but only 1% of them actually have any wealth and independence. So it's their values that are actually creating that reality. Okay, so how can we increase our values and become one of that 1% instead of the 99% that don't manage to save the wealth and keep the wealth? Well, the first thing to do is, is write down a reason why you want it. If you don't have a reason for getting it, you won't, you know, you won't work for it. You know, I, I wrote down a thousand reasons why saving money and building wealth would be a value to my life, my, my children, my family, and the people I care about in the world. And because until you have a big enough reason for doing it, the house won't take care of themselves. You have to have a reason for it. Then you have to have a strategy and a plan of what service you're going to provide. So, you know, it's just not a fantasy. You have, what are you going to do specifically that's going to be a value to people? Why would somebody pay you if you don't do a service for them? And then the third, you have to have a structure on what you're going to do with that money. You know, what, what are you going to do specifically with that money and how are you going to manage it? How are you going to save it? Where is it going to go? You can't just say, well, I want money. You got to you have a structure for it. And that's why, People that, that study it and learn about it and read, and that's why I encourage people to read uh, How to Make One Hell of a Profit to Get to Heaven because I give all that in the book. I give people, I, I, I ask them questions that help them set up goals for it, uh, give them an idea of what they're going to do, how they're going to save it, where they're going to put it. Everything's outlined in the book. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the breakthrough experience and quantum physics. What is reality from a quantum physics perspective? Well, in the, there's been different people in different uh, fields of quantum physics that have had different perspectives on it, but you know our reality is what we sense. And with the second we measure something and sense it, we filter it through a value system. And I'll give an example. If a husband and wife walk into a mall and her highest value is her children and his highest value is business, she will notice children's clothes and children's uh, items, but he will notice business items. She will filter out and see her reality according to her values, and he will too. The second you measure and sense things, your values filter out the things that aren't important and grab a coal according to things that are important. So our reality is based on what we sense the world, based on our value system. So we're value-driven. And the second, in the quantum physics world, the second we value something and measure it according to our values, we get that reality. So our intention, based on our values, creates a reality in the quantum field, and we literally manifest things accordingly. So our intention manifests, and our intentions are based on our values, and our values filter out anything other than what we're looking for. That's why you have a, in, in uh, research, you find researchers literally extracting and find things to supporting their theories, and then things that destroy their theories, they, they overlook. Their, 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 their value systems are filtering it. Okay, so is it in fact that we're creating that reality, for instance, walking through the mall, creating only what we want to see, or is it just that we're only perceiving what we're focusing on? 
Well, both. We're, we're, we're perceiving according to our values. And so the, the husband doesn't see children's clothes, and she doesn't see business opportunities. So they're, they're incompletion, in, in a sense. What's actually there is a, is a plethora of opportunity for everybody's value system. But we only filter out and get what we see, and we assimilate it. So the world out there, the quantum world, is like an infinite possibility. And what we do is we go in there and finite it with our value systems and then extract what supports our value systems, and we justify it as good, and we, we seek it, and we act upon it. So our reality is a very finite domain in, in compared to an infinite possibility that's sitting out there. Okay, so the wife notices the children's clothes, and the husband notices the business stores, but when she says, hey, look at those children's clothes, then the husband well, he would he starts see- getting attention deficit disorder, and she starts <laughs> getting alive and awake. And when the second she goes to the business store, she gets attention deficit disorder. So what, what happens is, uh, you know, our, our hierarchy of values really run the thing, because and our values are based on what we think are missing. So whatever we think is missing, we, we make important. And therefore, we're living in the illusion that something's missing, but in actuality, nothing is missing. But we think it is, and therefore, we, we're searching for it. Therefore, things that support our search, we call good, and things that challenge our search, we call bad. And then we filter the world that way. So no, no two people have exactly the same reality, and no two people have the same values, and they're like unique fingerprints. That's what makes the world unique. Why do we have to filter it in such a black and white way, this is good and this is bad? Well, we don't have to, but in order to do that, you know, if you get a, a marriage partner, you get a wife and husband, very commonly what's high on his value is low on hers, and what's high on hers is low on his, and that's why they complete each other kind of thing. But what happens is if we don't honor another person's value system and we can't see through their eyes, we're just going to filter it according to ours, and we're going to think that's real, and then we're going to project onto the world our values and then try to get other people to fit it. And this is what's going on in our world today. And, uh, you know, so nobody's really right, but everybody thinks they're right according to their values. And in the Breakthrough Experience, the book, I try to give people an alternative way of looking at life and give them an opportunity to, to actually reach a point of where they, they take their values out and take their filters out for a moment, see the world as its magnificent self. The world is amazing. But what we do is we filter it out and we go around and avoid and seek things and we go into black and white thinking. And we fundamentalize our, our world instead of universalize it. Is it good to look at the positive side of things or not? Well, it's actually necessary to look at both because if we set out and look at only the positive side, we, we live in a false reality just as much as we look at only the negative side. You know, I have, I have people that go in there and they, I just got off the phone consulting with somebody that actually had an optimistic uh, fantasy and they were seeing, you know, all positives and weren't seeing the downsides and I had to be the consultant and, and tear it down, tear their, their goal down to make sure they had some grounding and make sure they had a reality base because they were setting themselves up for the big fall. So you need a balanced orientation. A a really wise person will have a balanced orientation because how are we going to have balance in our life if we can't see the balance around us? So I always say that all events in in quantum physics are neutral until we go and evaluate them. And then we get blinded by our infatuations and blinded by our resentments until we see the whole thing and balance it out. And then we see things what they really are. When we do, we actually feel gratitude for the, the, the balance that's there and we have love for them. Most law of attraction teachers tell us that you raise your vibration and you get into a positive vibration and then you're going to attract more positive things into your life, like attracts like. But you're saying we don't need to attract those other positive things. We need to attract some negative things to balance it out. No, that's not exactly it. it, it see, what we do is we, we think we're wanting something that supports our values only. But nature, if we look at our lives, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to confront something here. Years and years and years and years, I've, I've attempted to be only positive and never negative. I'm sure you've attempted that in your life. 
I've tried a few times. thousands of people, and they all attempt that. <laughs> yeah. And what happens is they still, after all the years of attempting that, they have both sides. They have right. negative thoughts. They have negative things. They even avoid people that remind them of negative things just so they can be what they think are positive. So they're negating people and negating things all the time. And what I found is instead of trying to get rid of that part of yourself or get rid of all the negativity, I found out that whenever I'm setting up a fantasy, a false expectation, I'm, I, a fantasy is where I have more positives and negatives, and a nightmare is where I got more negatives and positives. Anytime I set myself up and shoot with my intention towards a fantasy, I have to have the negative self-talk and the negative events come in to break my addiction to the fantasy. So I found out that I, my clear intention, a true intention, is automatically uh, illuminated and powered when we have a balanced orientation. And so I don't shoot for just the positive. I shoot for something that's balanced. And because the second I go for something that I think is a positive without a negative, I get negatives in there with, that appear to be negative without a positive to balance it. So I'm interested in, in not just positive. I'm interested in something that's whole and balanced. And when I do, I, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm poised. And I, I know that uh, each person on The Secret had different views on this, but I, I, that's just been my own experience. Because the more I try to be only the positive, the more I end up with a bipolar condition, trying to be uh, positive and happy all the time, and then I end up having the, the challenges and the sadnesses come in, and then I was thinking, what's wrong? And then I realized that I needed both of them. Whenever I set goals that were unrealistic and they were exaggerations and they weren't aligned to my real values, and I got all manic and optimistic and, and almost fantasied over them, I got it. All of a sudden, I attracted challenges and tragedies and negative events and, and uh, negative self-talk to try to break that addiction. The second I set real objectives that were aligned to my values, that were balanced in orientation, my negative self-talk went away. The challenges went away. And so I don't shoot for just one-sided world. I shoot for both sides because everything that you create is a magnetism and it's got two ends, two poles. And I'm, I'm interested in creating things that can sustain themselves that have a balanced orientation. How would that affect us in day-to-day -day life? Let's say, you know, I've got several positive thoughts, and then all of a sudden one of those negative thoughts come in. Then I get into a negative spiral, and I just keep thinking negative things for the next couple hours. Well, How do I balance designed that? To have it. Look, I did a day-by-day -day cycle forecasting process where every day, literally for two years, I kept records four times a day of my emotions. And yes, I'm neurotic enough to do that. <laughs> and, and what I did is I wanted to see if I really was more positive than negative. And at the end of two years, and when I told it all up, I was balanced. And that was a shock to me because I really convinced myself that I was only more positive than negative and I'd put on a facade that way. But when I added up all my downsides and all my anger and my frustration and, and all the stuff that was going along with it, I, I had to be honest with myself. And then I realized that every time I set an objective that was an exaggeration, I had negative self-talk come in. The negative self-talk is not something I need to get rid of. It's just trying to help me hone in on what's true. Because what I was doing is I was setting unrealistic expectations, didn't have strategies that matched it, and then I was beating myself up and having negative self-talk to kind of hone me in on what's real for me. So I don't try to get rid of it. I use it as a feedback system to make sure I'm setting true objectives that's really for my heart. So I'm not a positive thinker or a negative thinker. I'm a heart and loving and balanced thinker, and I find that that's much more productive. We're also told that everything is energy. What is energy exactly? Well, you know, if I could answer that, I'd, be, I'd probably get my Nobel Prize for sure because the greatest Nobel Prize winners in the world have not been able to answer that question, what exactly is energy? Some have, have come up with all kinds of different languages for it, but I probably, if I was to guess, I would say it's just pure consciousness. But I, I, I can't prove that or disprove that. But we don't know what it is. It's, it's a conserved energy. It's conserved, and it's never created or destroyed, and it's changing form, and so uh, it's got innumerable forms. 
And I, I really, the uh, best way I could describe it is just a form of intelligence, but I, I don't know how else to say it. Explain what you mean when you say that everything is actually made up of light. Well, if we look at every atom that makes up our, our universe, the atom itself, uh, the, the subatomic particles, if you combine them back together, you make light. Every atom has its own signature frequency of light. So it, it, there's a process called spectroscopy, and you take an atom and you put it through a flame, it gives off its own color. So it's like a congealed or condensed or frozen light, every atom. So everything that's composed in the universe, the gas, solid, liquids, plasma, anything, is uh, really ultimately just a vibration of light. And uh, even the so-called matter is really a form of irradiation and light. So I, I like to think of it as that way. And there's, in, out of all the measurement in the universe, about 5 billion times the number of particles of light there are to atoms. So the, the universe is mainly radiation and, and energy that way. And all the atoms are really just congealed forms of energy and radiation. So um, it's all light, from what I can tell. Okay, so even though we traditionally think of light as something that you can put your hands through, something you can't feel, something that doesn't have solid matter, you're saying, in fact, my desk here, for instance, is, it's actually, is light. If you were to take it and put it through and raise its vibration, you would literally turn it back into light and radiation. It's, it's just All it is is energy in motion. Atoms are nothing but energy in motion. In fact, mass, what we call mass, is basically electromagnetic energy undergoing a circuitry, a motion, and a moving charge. And so if you literally, if you take a light particle and you split it into positive and negative charges and put them in motion, you create matter. And that's all atoms are, is just moving charges, which are actually entangled light. So when we break it down, we realize that it's all an intention, and it seems to be an energy of, of intention and, and consciousness that's basically light. So our matter is basically frozen light. What's the relationship between matter and spirit? Well, I always say that spirit without matter is expressionless and matter without spirit is motionless. But I, I really don't know if I can differentiate spirit and energy. I really think that they're pretty well synonymous. We, we, give, we, we acknowledge in the spirit a form of intelligence. But let me just uh, use an analogy. And I do this each week in my program called The Breakthrough Experience, which is one of the seminars I teach. If you were to, uh, wherever you're located, if you were to have a long-distance telephone call on your cell phone to somebody across the world, maybe Africa or Australia, and you had an intelligent conversation, you would take your sound vibrations and you'd modulate a carrier wave, and uh, what you take of the sound is like a signal wave, you put it on a carrier wave, you modulate it, and then you send this at the speed of light across the world. On the other side of the world, they receive that and demodulate it, take the signal off that carrier wave, and um, then they have the intelligent information that was sent. And in that light that was sent across the world at one-fourteenth of a second halfway across the world is all the intelligent information. So somehow electromagnetism or light can store and transport intelligent information. So that same energy can be transporting and storing intelligence, and I would say that intelligence that's transported through a form of light would be spirit. Okay, so if I can really oversimplify this, what it seems like you're saying is everything is light, everything is energy, everything is spirit, and everything is intelligence. As far as I can tell, that seems to be accurate. And uh, whether it be a solid thing that our senses identify, and, and we've got to realize that a solid is not really a solid if you go through a, a microscope or a, if you go probing into it deeply. And uh, a void of, of a gaseous material is not really a void. It's actually solid on another plane. So really, the whole idea of solids, liquids, gas, and plasma, and all these different states of matter or energy are really just perceptual illusions. That's why you really can't take out the intelligence out of it, because it's all a game of intelligence.
To learn more about Dr. Demartini, go to drdemartini.com. That's D-R-D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I dot com. And I hope you've enjoyed the first segment of our interview. But it's not over. There's a full 200% more than what you just heard where we delve deeper into these success principles. To unwrap the full interview and get lots more tools for success, just sign up to become a Success Unwrapped member on any level you choose at successunwrapped.com slash members. This has been Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of Success Unwrapped, helping you to unwrap and discover your own potential for success. Until next time, keep unwrapping. I'm Heather Vale. This podcast is part of the Blueberry Network at Blueberry.com. That's spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com.